It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are you doing tonight, sir? Good. We got the... uh... Combine's done. We got some numbers. We're gonna argue a little bit. We're and we're kicking it. Oh, we're, we're, we're kicking it up to, to three or four of these a week. So it's uh it's all happening right now. Yeah, and we should probably talk about that a little bit because we are going to be doing a lot of draft stuff, but we will also be covering the news for the Cowboys. You know, any free agency stuff, um, any general news that comes up. And we actually had a good bit of news today for the Cowboys. They have placed the franchise tender on. Demarcus Lawrence, and later or late this uh, tonight, he signed that tender, locking in him for the 2018 season at like 17.2 million is the number I saw. Um, again, that does not mean that the Cowboys can't get a long-term deal signed with Demarcus Lawrence. They can't lower, or they could potentially lower that cap number uh, later in the process. But what that does mean is it guarantees that Demarcus Lawrence will be on the roster for the 2018 season. Landon, any thoughts on the signing? Are you okay with the Cowboys placing the tender on, or placing the tag on Demarcus Lawrence? Yeah, I mean, this is really kind of just housekeeping at this point. I mean, I think we all knew that, um, you know, that this is going to happen either that they were going to get a long term deal or they were going to be forced to tag him just so that they could continue working on on getting him the deal. So, uh, yeah, this isn't really surprising or, or new. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit ambitious for us to hope that they were going to get a deal in place uh, with D-Law before uh, this uh, deadline came. Um, but it, again, it still allows them more time to you know kind of get back and, and continue to keep working on it and uh, and and you know hopefully lower that cap number because I mean the, the really the downside the reason they were working so hard on it is because it is a big you know cap hit just this year uh, and they would have liked to, I think they would still like to lower it a little bit so they could maybe sure. have some more uh, room in free agents. And can I rant a little bit about this DeMarcus Lawrence only showed out in a contract year thing that we're starting to see on Twitter from some of these national writers? Sure. That's not true at all. It's really not. He Listen, in his rookie year, he broke his foot and missed most of the year. In the playoff game, he had two sacks that basically won the game for them against Detroit. The following year, he had eight sacks. And then in 2016, he had a pretty serious back injury that basically um, didn't allow him to work out. So he wasn't the same player, got himself healthy, and had a great 2017 season. So I, I, I know people want to go and use that narrative, but it's really not true. He was a fantastic player in 2016 or 2015. He was really good at the end of 2014. So I, this is not a guy that just went out and played hard in a contract year. Uh, I, I just didn't see that at all from Lawrence. 
yeah, it's 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 great that you're it's great it's great to hear that you love him now because because uh, I know that you were I know that you you were sending some very <laughs> questionable pictures of him at times but no I know listen I know you're not one of these people that, uh, that has, <laughs> we we need to clarify what that, questionable <laughs> pictures are because people people's minds are going to oh, start yeah. wondering no maybe <laughs> I should be clear yeah you're right uh, questionable being uh, pictures that uh, that definitely made Demarcus Lawrence look uh, heavier than uh, than uh, is you. desired definitely nothing. Uh, you know, inappropriate. Though, you know, I don't know what kind of pictures of D Law that Marcus has got. He's not sending. So you guys can, you know, make sure you <laughs> hit him up on Twitter and ask him about that. But uh, no, I think you know, I agree. I think this was much to do and much to do about nothing. I I have every confidence that D Law, when healthy, is going to continue to put up this production. I I don't. This is not some guy I view as a lazy or not a hard worker. I think he fits into the culture pr- pretty well. All right, let's move on and talk about the combine. Uh, we have a list of nine guys that b- basically we want to highlight um, for better or for worse, maybe guys that we need to go back and look at the film on. Um, and let's go ahead and start with a guy that we've kind of, kind of argued a lot about on Twitter, and that's Alabama wide receiver Calvin Ridley. Uh, he ran in the low 4.4s, um, but the rest of his measurables were not as good as we were hoping for. Uh, Ridley, considering he could be an option for the Cowboys at 19, uh, are you concerned about Calvin Ridley going forward? I, I mean, I love that you're giving me the opening salvo on this, but uh, uh, I, yeah, like I'm being nice. I, that's that's right. Um, no, I mean, I, I think to me, and and obviously you're going to have a different opinion. As spoiler alert, um, uh, to me, I, when you watch him on tape. He wins with route running, and he wins with quickness out of his breaks. And I think the athletic testing uh, that you, that you're looking for there it bears it out. And I, I think that that's what you see from him. Now, de- he definitely. I mean, I, I'm certainly not sitting here going to argue that he wasn't disappointing in, in his jumps and his some of his explosion testing. But I, I also think that that's you know not as pertinent for the position especially when considering the way he wins but specifically as a, as a small ball wide receiver um and i think as far as you know overall metrics and 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 testing goes you know kind of as a a when you're testing on a grand scale of things offensive skill positions though you know you have kind of you know thresholds you want to meet with 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 some things i don't know that they have the need for the overall elite athleticism the way the defensive players do because they are defensive players are much more reactionary and, and needing to you know go there skill set is clearly a much heavier weighted uh uh you know element to a player's game than i think than athleticism when you're considering um you know specific uh positions and i think that's where i'm at with 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 ridley now you're gonna make some some case about uh, athleticism, and I think let's 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 hear the case because I, I I may not disagree with you on some of it, but I, but I also think that there's there's a contour about how this affects me. And I have a, like there's only a certain amount of this that is gonna affect my grade. And I think for you, it's it's a lot. The athleticism is a lot more of a heavy uh, burden, I guess, in, in your grading. All right, so here's the thing. Um, Heading into the draft, or heading into the combine, I was a Calvin Ridley fan. I think he has really good tape. I still think he has really good tape. Um, but like you said, the, the, you don't have to be an elite athlete to be a really good receiver. We know that. You just can't be one of the worst athletes that we've ever seen. Um, he tested in the 7th percentile for Spark, 
And since we've been tracking Sparks since 2010, there's only ever been three receivers drafted who have been that bad of an athlete who have been selected. So my thing is this. I understand why the production wasn't great. The tape is good. The athleticism is terrible. Um, Could he still be a productive receiver in the NFL? Yes. I, I think he might be a better slot receiver than the outside receiver. My point is... I just can't take an outlier like that in the first round. Now, maybe you can convince me in the second round to do that, you know, maybe later, even later first round. I just can't justify spending a pick on a guy that I feel like is such an outlier at the position despite having good tape. Now, that that means I could completely miss on Ridley, and I could miss on a lot of other players by having, uh, you know, by maybe being a little bit too strict on a threshold. But I'm okay with that because I believe long-term it's going to weed out some of these players that don't have the athleticism to play in the NFL. Okay, and see, I think this is where our disagreement comes in, is that I think that you are too liberally using the word athleticism with confidence in your description. Because I think that athleticism is a very nebulous term, and that measuring, you know, P-Spark or, uh, you know, and and, and whatever, like, they all measure and weight things differently, some by position, some by this and that. I I think that, you know... You, you you know in certain contexts of the athleticism, I could certainly see what you know you're talking about. Uh, you know he him being one of the lowest uh, bottom three when 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 involving a whole bunch of other aspects of testing, which honestly I just don't think affect his game as much as it as it does you know in other positions and or just generally. So I guess that like that's my issue is that this is still a guy who runs very fast and is and and can change direction very quickly. So and if that's, you know, what his game is based off of uh as well as precision in routes and and, and ability to uh to uh you know play as a receiver in hands and all the other, you know, elements that go into the nuance of playing wide receiver, um then, then to me, like I've checked my boxes and I note the the other other aspects and and know that that's not how I'm I'm gonna play him to win. But I still think that, and I understand what you're saying, like as far as the athleticism and and, and a first, you know, having thresholds for what you could take. And you've, this is something you mentioned here, but we've talked about, you know, the you you probably you wouldn't take him in the first round because of you know of not meeting certain athletic thresholds. And I can understand, mm-hmm. I can certainly understand that to a, a, a certain degree. To me, that doesn't eliminate him for me at 19. Uh, to me, I saw, I saw the tape. I, I know what the player is, I think on tape and, and where he wins and the testing. I wasn't disappointed by the testing, obviously to the scale was because I, you know, am again, going to confirm what I'm trying to see on tape or what I have seen on tape. And if, if the testing, you know, shows something else, then I need to go back and see why there's a discrepancy there. There's nothing in his game that, as far as how I want to use him, that is affected by so much by the broads and explosion. I understand that he probably isn't as explosive as maybe we thought he was, but to me, that doesn't affect his grade enough to not make me want him at 19. But again, that's about that's about our our different processes in, in and how we weight things. 
Sure, we could make this a 30-minute show on Calvin Ridley, but we got, we want to get to some other guys. And, again, if you guys want to talk to me about Calvin Ridley, uh, you guys can do it on Twitter. You I'll know where to find him. him every day, every day <laughs> up until the draft. So make sure that you guys reach out. All right, let's talk about a different player, one that actually surprised us um, because of how well he did test, and that's Taven Bryan, the Florida, State, or Florida defensive tackle. Uh, he came out and put on a show. He was 6'5", 291 pounds. He had a 35-inch vertical. Vertical, a 119-inch broad jump. He ran the 40 and 498, a three-cone drill of 7-1-2, which is comparable to like what Arden Key ran. Um, this is one explosive defensive tackle. Um, and with Maurice Hurst potentially not being an option because of a heart issue, is Tavon Bryant a guy that the Cowboys need to start considering at 19? I mean, I think that they definitely need to do some due diligence. You know, I, I, to me, like, when you watch his tape and you, and you look at what he does, he's one of those guys that when you watch it, you're like, okay, is is he jumping snaps because he is coming off the ball like crazy. Like, it's Dominique Easley, like, Aaron Donald level of explosion off the mm. ball sometimes. I mean, that's that, – that, I mean, not – you know, not every time. I mean, he's – and I'm not comparing him to Aaron Donald because Aaron Donald was a much, much more refined product uh, product when he came out. But similar athletes. But similar, but similar explosion off the ball as from an interior player at 6'5", 290 pounds, you know. So, uh, you know, so what, what really what this was about, again, was we see this on tape. Can, is he conf- – and, and this one was even more, like much more. Like this is the opposite end of the spectrum for me than – Calvin Ridley, right? Like I needed, sure. I needed to see him as an uh, uh, an incredible athlete across the board to confirm what I'm seeing to to know that he has value. Because honestly, when you watch him on tape, I was I was uh, you know messaging with with John Oney last night when I was watching him. It, it's like it's like he is the. It's like he's the Tasmanian devil, like with a jersey on. It's just like he comes at you with so much speed and explosion. It's just like, uh, you know, he is out of control in the best and worst way possible. You know, and it's like he's so explosive and he's on a guy and he's just like destroying him. And then like he's in the backfield and then the next play, he's got his back turned completely around and he's facing the wrong direction because he blew up field and then tried to do like a half spin move. So. It's it makes his his stock so difficult because you see it it's all there, dude. I mean, he's strong. He throws people aside. You and, and you know you see the agility, the way he can chase players down. He gets in the backfield, and his you know when he doesn't make the play, it's not because he can't. He doesn't have the athleticism or the agility to get the player. He has it. He just doesn't always know what what he's looking at you know he's he's right very very young at the position and and you know if you want i'm assuming you have the background on him you can get into a little bit about you know his his you know he, he was a, a offensive lineman in a tiny play a tiny school in wyoming his dad's a navy seal um but i mean he has kind of an unconventional path to get where he got and he's still extremely raw now the question is you know who this guy is i mean this if you read anything about this kid insanely hard worker like you know just one of those kids like tyron smith who was just from a young age was just you know taught hard work by his dad and that will always be instilled in him so can you translate that into football skills can can a guy like you know marinelli translate that hard work into focus at football skills and if he can I mean, dude, like this guy, Whew. this guy is like, he will be an all pro defensive tackle. 
He will be. It will be like. I mean, if you could teach him how to do it right, like he has the athleticism to be the kind of guy that you know is in the conversation with Aaron Donald and JJ Watt. And, and I mean, if you think I'm over exaggerating, just go look. Go look at his athletic profile. That's the kind of players that we're we're, we're talking about. Like, I mean, that's the kind of right. players that have his similar similar athleticism. Yeah, see, for the Cowboys, this is the guy that I would love to see in their locker room for Rod Marinelli to work with because he is such a special athlete. I'm okay taking that risk here. Um, I I didn't love his tape. I thought it was okay. I I thought it was, you know, second to third round worthy tape. Well, it's not great. Um, and you tape see the at athletic- all. I mean, it's like you know, he's he doesn't look like he knows what the hell he's doing, but he does things that are like, what the hell is how how did he do that? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's- right. So this to me, this is not a guy you probably consider at 19 just because he's so raw. But if the Cowboys do decide to trade back and that's one of the guys left on the board, I am absolutely fine taking the chance there, even despite the lack of production. I think he only had like five and a half sacks this year despite being um, basically a pass rusher only. Um, he's an interesting one to keep an eye on. I think he's going to be a guy that the more people watch, they they like uh, – we'll see. I, I'm – I'm optimistic that that's a player that in the NFL can be a much better player than what we saw at college. Um, another guy I want to get to, it blew up the combine, and that's Mike Gusecki, the tight end from Penn State. I don't know what's going on with Penn State, but all of a sudden they became <laughs> one of the most. Uh, they, they, they've been producing some athletes. Um, well, James Franklin Gusecki, can really can really recruit, you know. So <laughs> yeah, he can. I have experience with uh, with uh, James Franklin, one of my students at the school that I teach at. Um, has recruited athletes from it, but wow. Gasecki, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty big deal. Um, great guy. Uh, Gasecki is a tight end that has Jimmy Graham athleticism. I didn't see on tape a guy that was very physical. He doesn't want to block anybody. Um, to me, he looked like a a Zach Ertz type of player. However, we've seen in the NFL that the that the league is transitioning to more of these move tight ends. Uh, that don't have to make plays in the middle of the field, that can make plays um, after the catch. Is Gusecki a guy that you think you need to watch now because of how athletic he is, and do you think he could fit in in Dallas? Yeah, I mean, I think that at this point, like, we are still learning what what fits in in Dallas. You know, I, I think that there's been a, a great, you know, kind of hand-washing with what this offense is a, a, as if it isn't currently, you know, kind of in transition or in motion, which, I mean, if you listen to what the front office talks about, it, to me, that's what it sounds like. It, to me, it sounds like it, it's, you know, it's more more trying to make, you know, things DAC-friendly, which uh, everything I've seen and interpreted means more and more of, of a move towards College, you know, traditionally called college uh, concepts and 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 um, ideas, and and one of those things that is very prevalent at the college level is the kind of tight end that you're talking about—a move tight end, a, a guy that is kind of versatile, could be in the slot, you know, maybe not necessarily the guy that's on the line of scrimmage and is a trained killer as a blocker, but uh, you know, the kind of person who can. Um, you know, get down the field has the kind of athleticism to to uh, you know make plays down the field, big and can make you know make make catches you know in the intermediate as well. Um, you know the guy, the kind of guys that you could actually make the focus of your passing game. Um, you know, as opposed to just someone who is uh, can be a two way player. Now, clearly, the Cowboys traditionally 
have preferred two-way tight ends, have preferred a guy who can play on the line of scrimmage, have preferred playing in sort of a 12-personnel defense. Um, but at the same time, you know, they also didn't have the issue in, you know, drafting Rico Gathers. Um, and, and you know, he... Uh, I I really do think that like if that situation with with him was better, I do I really do believe that they would try to find a way to put him on the field to use his athleticism to you know, uh, it, it, to be in the passing game maybe before necessarily ha- being ready to be part of the of the run game as well, and and so and I I think that if if they were to go after a guy like. Gusecki or or maybe even you know like someone like Jalen Thomas uh, or sorry Jalen Samuels you know as like yes. you know as someone as like a, a, a sort of a non traditional um, you know fullback tight end hybrid H back sort of player I, I I don't think that that would be something that they would be afraid of because I think that again I think that they've tried to take the best of the personnel that they've got but they also understand that they are moving to a, a different sort of offense a different sort of you know quarterback so i think that they are you know at least from what they're saying i mean we'll see i mean obviously actions speak louder than words but i i think in this what we may see this offseason and and who knows maybe i'm completely wrong is more of even more of an investment in the shift uh of this offense towards something that was close to what Dak was running in college and 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 something close to what a, a lot of you know kind of squads running college more of a uh, a spread, uh, you know, uh, with uh, with QB run options, you know, tagged into these a lot of these plays, so allowing you know Dak to see more of the field, and and, and I think a lot of that it allows for these kind of tight ends that can kind of line up all over the field and, and make plays. Yeah, as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to go back and watch Gusecki because I didn't see that type of athlete. When I initially watched this film, I saw a very good athlete, but I didn't see the guy that had the quickness, um, you know, to play that Joker tight end. And we'll see on him. I think that's a guy that we really need to dig into with the tape. A couple other ones that we're going to talk about real quickly, and then I, I have one to save for the end. But Harold Landry, uh, both of both of the guys, or guy that we liked a lot watching the film, went to the combine. Showed why he's going to be a top 15 pick. He, incredible three cone, incredible 10 yard split. Um, I, I think Landry showed why he should be the first pass rusher after Bradley Chubb to go. Any quick thoughts on Harold Landry's combine? No, I mean I, I think <laughs> I think I'm going to just do myself a favor and just not watch the 2017 tape because I feel like you know the athleticism that I've you know I still haven't watched any of it yet and and I you know, I watched the combine and to me. The athleticism that I saw there matches what my eyes saw, you know, of his 2016 tape. So I, I kind of feel sure. like that's that's a good reading of, of who that guy is. So at least when he's healthy. So um, yeah, th- no, I think that Landry clearly uh, showed that he is uh, the kind of athlete that that you know you you uh, you want on the edge. The question really, for at least from the Cowboys' point of view, is. Are they going to view him as a defensive end? Are, are will they uh, allow him to uh, to uh, kind of you know be plugged in on that right defensive end, or will they you know or will they draft him as a kind of you know linebacker defensive end hybrid? That would be sort of interesting as well. So uh, I don't know. Maybe there. Maybe you know what we what we really don't know is exactly how much of Chris Richard's influence is going to be on some of this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see. And 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 I I think that you know. 
outside of Josh Sweat, who, I mean, good lord, Ooh. or is it Another Sweat or Sweet? Yeah, Sweat. Yeah, that guy, yeah. man, and he's only twenty one too. Like that guy, uh, he he uh, he had a he had a day as well, and that guy definitely is big enough to uh, to play right defensive end. I think so. Um, yeah, I, I think the question with Landry again. Will the Cowboys view him as big enough to play defensive in uh, on this defensive line? Here's the thing: they loved Charles Harris last year, who was smaller than Harold Landry. So I'm not sure why they would like Charles Harris, but not like Landry. Uh, I don't know. I here's the thing: I don't think we need to be worrying about Harold Landry getting to the Cowboys because it's not going to happen. There's too many teams in front of them that need pass rushers. They're going to look at that production in 2016, and they're going to look at the athleticism and see that this is a really good player. I posted on Twitter a list of all the college defenders that had 22 tackles for a loss in a season and had a three-cone under seven seconds, and you're getting guys like Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller. He's not that type of prospect, but he's close. Um, a couple other guys real quick, through I, really quickly. Real quick, I yeah. honestly thought that he was going to have a faster 10-yard split than he did. I, he ended up having a 1-6, right? I thought he was going to be down in the 1-5-8 range. I mean, I, I, I'm not disappointed, but I mean, just just so just to kind of say that he's not he's not just like a testing freak. Oh, actually, I see now he's 1-5-9. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's, you know, his tape shows that sort of athleticism very well. Well, and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, too. He just got cleared to run like three weeks ago from his foot injury. So it's, it hasn't been like he's been training this whole time. Wow. So I'm assuming he's still not 100% healthy That's either. That's amazing. Um, Good Lord. I didn't know yeah, that. He, he, he is quite an athlete. Um, another guy that is an exceptional athlete, Shaq Griffin, the linebacker safety from uh, UCF. Put up 20 on the bench press, ran a 4.38. Uh, had just an incredible day. Where would you feel comfortable taking Shaq Griffin if you're the Cowboys? I mean, if if you want him, you're gonna have to take him in the third. I think. I mean, I, I, I or like in a trade down in the third. Or, you know, I mean, I think I would feel comfortable taking him. In the, I would love it if he showed up at the fourth, but I, I don't know that sure. I don't know that he will. I, I mean, at least where the Cowboys Seattle are drafts in front. Of, Seattle drafts in front of you in the fourth. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. I, I, I mean, I could see Seattle taking him in the third, maybe. I mean, I just, I, I, he's such a great athlete, such a great kid. I mean, really, the only thing is his hand, and and the problem is, is that it's, it's, it's hard to quantify. It's it's a it's yeah. a it's a negative that's, it. that's so difficult to kind of get a excuse the 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 phrase, but get a grip on. I I, I you know because it's just <laughs> like it's, you just don't know. I mean, clearly it didn't cause him. Too many issues in college. I mean, he was just all over the place, and he was able to tackle people. But is you know is the difference in you know the NFL enough that it actually exposes this? Um, I just don't know. And 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 you know, I guess. But to me, I I, I think that after watching this and, and interviewing the kid, honestly, I, I just imagine that most. I gotta imagine that a lot of teams are probably willing. You know, they're, if they're gonna take a risk, take a risk on this kid. You know, like. He 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 deserves it, and he is definitely with his attitude. It's just like Jalen Smith, uh, Marcus. Don't bet against. Yeah, J- but here's the don't thing: don't bet against Jalen Smith. And it's like I mean, I understand Jalen Smith was probably in a worse situation because I mean, exactly. Yeah, no, and that's, yeah, if that's what you're gonna say. Yeah, absolutely, he was in a worse situation, and and he overcame it. So I think this guy doesn't have anything he's gonna overcome because he's he's been dealing with this this whole time. It's really just can he play in the NFL? And I you know. 
I've just you know some of these kids you just you you'll hear them talk you hear their stories or whatever and you just learn not to bet against them and and I think that you know to me Griffin's one of those guys man he's just like he's he's been through this already and he's look at what he did with <laughs> look what he did with one hand this year I I have no doubts that he could do it in the NFL and, and if uh, if it makes it means I got to take him in the third round. I mean, I think I would. So be it. I think because I yeah. think you could do a lot of different things with him too. I think he could probably rush the the passer a little bit for you. I think he could, you know, if you really wanted to, you can you might be able to try him out at safety, you know, and and and, and like you know, play him as, as a strong safety. So I I I just think that I love this kid. I think, you know, I mean, I'm not just buying into the the obvious like they leaned into the hype on it, even though they had to be forced to bring him to the combine, and now he's the combine darling. But I think that you know, I just feel like with these guys, I don't. The problem is, is that I don't know what that means. Like it's hard to quantify again what missing a hand means in the NFL. But he checks all the other boxes so well that I, I just kind of feel like it doesn't matter. Yeah, you summed it up well. I, this is a guy that I want. I want to bet on. I, I yeah. want to bet that he's going to make a difference. And you know, even at the worst case scenario, he becomes a star special teamer and a nickel player. I can get value out of that for a third round pick. I mean, we took Damian Wilson in the fourth round, who's doing a lot less for your team and a so, lightning rod listen. too. Like, and that's the other thing. The kid's like a complete. You know, just in the same way that Jalen is is awesome to have in the locker room, so will this guy. Like this guy, I mean, if he's a special teams demon, then he's like the next Kenny Gant, except he doesn't have you know the hand for the shark. You know, that's 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 it, like it, it's <laughs> the same. It's the same thing. Like the guy is just he will be a, a lightning rod for your team, and and that's hard to measure. If he is just a special teams demon, you will see the entire team stand up and they'll come crowded to the sidelines and they'll watch special teams because of his ability to make impact plays on special teams. You won't be getting drinks. You won't be doing everything else. You're going to want to see him on special teams. Again, this is a guy that I I did not want to love him coming into the draft because I thought, how useful can he be without one hand? But man, every single thing that he has done so far has shown you that he can he's going to be able to play in some role in the NFL. Another guy that we both love, who we doubt is going to be there for the Cowboys, is Derwin James. Uh, a safety from Florida State, again, had a huge day, 40-inch vertical, uh, ran in the upper 4-4s four at 210 pounds. Um, ideally, he's a box safety that you move all around. Perfect fit for this Cowboys team. I don't see him being available, but give me your thoughts on Derwin James anyways because he's so much fun. you got to go get him. I mean, if you want him, you're gonna have to go get him. And I think that he's he's just you know one of those guys we talked about. His best football is ahead of him, and it's gonna be really, really good football. You know, he's just he's the right kid. He loves football. Um, he's his uh, athletic profile is is ridiculous. Um, his uh, you know I think the what the question will be, you know, wh- where do you get the most out of him? And I think that you know. To me, the guy just screams like Cam Chancellor. Like that's he looks like he's you know going to be that kind of player. And so we've got the guy who taught Cam Chancellor on the team already. You know, it's kind of like it's it's just like, and this is kind of how I feel like with with uh, Taven Bryant is that I I just feel like 
there are certain players in this draft that uh, I would make an extra effort to go get because I feel like I have the right coaches to get the most out of those players. And and, and these are these are two great examples, like Taven Bryan, because I think you know Marinelli is the best defensive line coach mm. in football, and I think that for for uh, for James, I I would be willing to to we got to at least see what the price is to move up and get the guy uh, because I think he's going to be a difference maker on somebody's defense. And I think that we've got the guy who can teach him to play the, play the role that will get hit the most out of him uh, in the same way that they did with Cam Chancellor. Yeah. Like Jabal Adams last year, Derwin James is an alpha male who's going to come into that locker room and he is going to be the leader of that defense. And if that costs me my first and second round pick to go get him, uh, I'll do it because I think he's the guy that will transform your defense right away. Um, just really quickly, uh, 19 and 50 gets you up to about the 12th or 13th pick. Are you okay doing that, assuming he falls out of the top 10? Mm. Yeah. Let's say they address I mean, guard. Let's say they address guard in free agency. They, they get a, a solid starter. Then are you okay doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think that if they got like uh, somebody that I actually felt really good about, like, at least solid about at the guard, you know, like above average, not just like oh he'll do fine guard, uh, then I think yeah, I think I would probably even though you've you know I feel like you got some more needs there, I feel like you could probably get a a, a wide receiver in the third. Uh, yeah, I think I probably would. Yeah, I I can find you a wide receiver in the third. That's not a problem at all. Um, Let's go to a guy that we both were surprised on, and that's Deron Payne, the Alabama defensive tackle. Tested out very well for a 311-pound defensive tackle. He's just 20 years old. He didn't have the production in college that you would like to see, but everything that we've seen about him, all his combine numbers, suggest that this is a guy that's going to be a much better NFL player than he was in college. Any real quick thoughts on Deron Payne's combine numbers? Yeah, I mean, I think that you just, I mean, what you saw was that he has a little bit more burst than what you expected for sure. I, I just think that, you know, for a guy that is, uh, you know, probably more of a one technique, you know, we were considering maybe, a, you know, obviously a less, ath- the, the lesser of the two first, ath- athletic wise, the lesser of the two. Uh, uh, athletic uh, nose tackles when you consider Vea, but but he really held his own, you know. And I think he, you know, he showed athleticism that to me, you know, maybe not full time, but he could do some, he could take some snaps at three technique. I mean, I mean, I guess the point is that he qualified, he probably qualified for that, um, you know, un that kind of nebulous uh, threshold of of being able to play some three technique that Stephen Jones suggested, you know? So I, I think that, I don't know that, I, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily taking him at 19. I'm just saying that uh, I, I think I saw the kind of athleticism that at least shows me that, um, you know, that, that he has some, he has some ability to stay, maybe stay on the field uh, on third downs and, 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 and uh, has some, has some ability to help you out in the, in the passing game. I struggled finding a comp for him because he, he's not really a big nose tackle like a Haloti Nada or BJ Raji. He doesn't have that size, uh, but he's more explosive than we're used to seeing at defensive tackle. Do you have a guy that you can kind of compare him to? You know, is he maybe Snacks Harrison? Maybe uh, no, is that a good example? I, you know, honestly, like now that we've seen the kind of combine numbers, and this is so please, I have not looked him up. And um, if, I, if I'm just completely out of the water here, 
But I thought he looked like Booger McFarlane. You know, like this guy, that, uh, like the, the, the T- Tampa Bay Buccaneers old uh, nose tackle, tackle who at times, honest to God, I thought was better than Warren Sapp when uh, when they were playing together and, and, and really actually kind of helped Sapp a lot. Um, and I think that, you know, if you look at them, if I'm not mistaken, he was very similarly built, like kind of built like a three technique, but played one technique. Um, six one three hundred. Yeah, so I mean, maybe even just a little yeah. bit smaller, you know. So uh, and but but the kind of uh, just a bull, you know, and just like would uh, hold up the line, but at the same time also gave you a little something as as a as a penetrator. And that that's kind of a long time ago. I understand that, but I, you know, really, if you talk about those positions, they haven't changed much as far as you know what what's going on at least in the first downs, you know. So. Um, I think he can offer you a little bit something as a pocket pusher in the passing game, which again uh, means that I wouldn't feel terrible uh, if if things kind of fell right and we took him in the first round. But I, I think that at least that was that was interesting to see that confirmed a little bit, or at least see a little bit more athleticism there than uh, I initially expected. Do you like him better than Viavea? No, not necessarily. I just think I think they're different players. I think Vea sure, is more dynamic. I mean, I think you know, I think Vea, you can kind of do a lot of different stuff. But I think that honestly, um, you know, as as strong as Vea is, I may even prefer um, uh, pain. Uh, I completely lost the pains. Uh, I may prefer pain for uh, a full-time one technique role just because I think that he's more consistent okay. in his technique and, and and I think that he gives consistent effort I feel like I don't know the issue with Vea to me is that he can be up and down at times um, and he doesn't always show the athleticism that, that that we know he has so I think that's that I think but but pain is is a more consistent you know hold it down one technique all right, then the last guy we're going to talk about is James Daniels, the center from Iowa. And before I get your thoughts on him, I have to admit that I was wrong about him. I was just flat out wrong. Uh, in the process, back in February, uh, I said that I like Billy Price more. Yeah, oh, that's um, right, I, yeah. I, I, I watched James Daniels last week, and he's a better player. Um, I think he needs to clean up some uh, of his issues at the second level, but his ability to to get to the three technique is incredible. Um, he had a fantastic day at the combine, a tw- 20-yard shuttle of uh, 4.4, which puts him in the 98th percentile of all interior offensive linemen, a three-cone of 7.29, which again it puts him in the 98th percentile of all three-cone drills. Uh, explosive, uh, did not run a 40, so we're still waiting on that, but his closest comparison on uh, mock draftable is Zach Martin. Um, I, I don't think he's Zach Martin as a player, but in terms of athleticism, very, very close. Uh, I think Daniels is competing with uh, Isaiah Wynn to be that second interior offensive lineman off the board. Um, and I think he is a guy that the Cowboys need to consider at 19 if they do want to draft a guard in the first round. Give me your thoughts on James Daniels and his performance at the Combine. James Daniels is my blankie because Ooh. he is. And I'll tell you why. Because he is my like floor for nineteen. Like if 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 I walk if if I walk into a situation and I'm walking out with James Daniel at nineteen, I'm happy, honestly. Because I think that like, and I think that's certainly possible. But to me, I, I think that like, 
I like where what James Daniel provides me at 19 that I the, the lack of desperation because I kind of feel like that's where he should go and I kind of feel like that's we kind of need him and it's just a nice I think it may be a situation where if everything else doesn't work out we don't get a uh, uh, a great situation it doesn't fall for us in some ways that at the very least we can walk away with uh, Daniels and I think uh, you know, we got a player that is really really going to be good because here's the thing I, I I understand what you're saying about you know him cleaning up at the second level and I and I think what it is is that the dude he plays he seems to like he's out of control. You know, he's he's so athletic and he's moving and he's getting like he almost feels like at times uh he's he's not he's gonna fall over his feet or you know he's or he's like he's not gonna he over will overrun a target or something. Like he just I think he just needs to clean some things up and he is gonna be so so good. So good. You know, I just I I I you know he obviously he's a sinner right now, but I, I you know they still used him as a center for all their pulls and, and he was doing all their move blocks. You know, basically he was the guy that was, they were designing the, the run game to run behind. Um, so I just, I, I really feel like, you know, he started two games at left guard, by the way, in 2015, yeah. I believe. So at least he has Sophomore some experience year, or so, freshman year, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, yeah, he's definitely, he's played it before. It's not like he, you know, I, I really do believe his, his you know, he's gonna he's gonna be able to just move into left guard without too many issues at all. I would imagine because I, I just the way he plays and his athleticism, you know, he's not necessarily gonna blow. I think the thing that the the he's not necessarily gonna blow people off the line uh, immediately in the NFL. Um, but I definitely think that you know as far as power goes, he he's gonna be fine with with you know that is one thing where I feel like being between um, uh, Smith and and and. and uh, Frederick is really going to help him out. So I like Daniels a lot, and I think that at the very least, if the Cowboys can walk away with Daniels at 19, then then we've had a good first round. What's funny is the two guys that we really like, Isaiah Wynn and uh, James Daniels, both didn't play guard guard no. last year. Isaiah Wynn was no. a left tackle. Uh, Daniels is the center. I like Isaiah Wynn probably a little bit better because I, I do like that oh, yeah, ability totally. for him to play tackle. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he's going to do that in the NFL. But it doesn't hurt that you have a guy that can kick out there in an emergency situation like Zach Martin. Um, I don't think the Cowboys would ever consider moving Martin out to left tackle in an injury, but it's nice to have that. Um, but again, James Daniels, a really good player. Um, and before we go, last point, I promise, Billy Price tore his pec or had a partial tear at his pec. Uh, that's another guy that I like quite a bit. Um, I still think he's a guy that if he falls to the second round, I think that makes a lot of sense for the Cowboys at 50. Should be ready to go by training camp. Maybe that's a case where you steal a player that probably should have went in the first round um, in the middle of the second round. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure uh, that you guys download and subscribe to the podcast. Follow Landon at McCoolBTB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.